Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. And as you're seated, I hope that you will join with me in your Bible, the Pew Bible, or on your Bible app in the Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, First Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. That's where we'll be reading from this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ and Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers you for you, we've always thanked God, the Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, you have heard of this hope before in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it is bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, He is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be strong with the strength that comes from his glorious power, so that you may have all endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to God, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, we gather once again in this place, this place of light, this place that lightens our hearts, where we leave our burdens at the altar, where we give thanks for the blessings of life, where we sing your praises, where we are energized to go out into the world. And so during this hour, O Lord, may your Spirit speak to us Speak to us so that we hear clearly how you call us to go forth and to bear this light that we receive into the world around us. So that we would leave this time together, not as mere hearers of your word, but transformed as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So earlier when I shared with you that we were going to look maybe this summer at this sort of series called Bumper Sticker Theology, you know, those things where you pull up to the traffic light and you see a car in front of you and it's covered in stickers and you try to read as many of them as you can before the light turns green 
Or maybe you're creeping along on the way to the beach and you have nothing but the car in front of you to stare at. You read something on the back of the bumper and it sort of sticks with you. It resonates long past that moment when you read it. Maybe it points us a little bit in some way to our faith. So when I shared that with you, I said, how about if you see something that you think might play into the series, send it to me. So today's bumper sticker resonated with many of you because I received images of Don't Postpone Joy stickers from a lot of different places on a lot of different cars. One was a European sports car, Don't Postpone Joy. Another was just a regular everyday sedan. One was a muddy pickup truck, which led me to believe that maybe, just maybe, that person's joy was taking it out and bogging along. I don't know. And then there was this one car that was basically held together by bumper stickers. Don't postpone joy. And then there was the one that blew past me on the highway as if she was trying to catch up to joy because it was going further ahead. And all that went through my mind was, I hope that the state trooper is not in the next 10 miles because joy will be lost in an instant. Don't postpone joy. That seems appropriate, doesn't it, for this time, our culture, which is rife in instant gratification and me-first tendencies and I-did-it-my-way philosophies. But I wonder... I wonder if we scratch below the surface of that phrase, don't postpone joy, if we dig a little deeper than the toys and the trinkets and the trips, if we delve a little deeper past the things that will rust or fade or tarnish or fray. What if we really went down and just got down to the bedrock of what matters most? What if we found the real meaning there in don't postpone joy? Those things that matter most. Maybe that's the message of the bumper sticker. Maybe it's don't postpone that which matters most. Don't postpone true joy. So Paul, as he's writing to the church at Colossae, he's he's writing to a church that he didn't start. You know, Paul did all these missionary journeys starting churches all over Asia Minor and all over the ancient world. But this was a church he didn't start. Epaphras, one of the other apostles, started it. It's a church that Paul doesn't visit in his ministries, but yet he's heard about them. So he decides to write them this epistle, the letter to the Colossians. See, he's heard about them through Epaphras and through the network of other preachers, other apostles from Timothy, his sidekick, And he's learned about their growth and their success. And really, he's just impressed. He hears about the people of Colossae and he says, Wow, I'm impressed by you. So he has two purposes in writing. One, to say that he's impressed and he commends them for their good work. But another one, to encourage them to keep going forward. Keep striving to deliver the gospel message to all who will hear it. So he's kind of saying two things. He says, like, good job, but don't take the foot off the gas. Keep being the church. Keep witnessing to your faith. So the selection today, Paul thanks God for them and for their work to find joy. 
Because they found joy through faith in Christ. They found joy in the love for all the saints. They found joy and a hope that could save the world. Paul's message to them is the same message to us. Centenary United Methodist Church, people of Winston-Salem, you all are doing great work, but don't take your foot off the gas. Keep finding that joy. Find the joy of the things that really matter. Joy in your faith. Joy in love. Joy in hope. Those things which bear fruit for all of us who call ourselves members of this church, but more importantly, bears fruit for the world around us. Fruit that the world desperately needs. See, that's what Paul is writing about. He gives thanks for their work and their ministry, but he challenges them to do more, to keep finding that joy, to not postpone it. He starts with faith. See, faith for us as followers is a complete trust and confidence in Christ, our Lord. And this means that we can do the impossible. That means when Christ asks us to do the impossible, that it really is possible because Christ is with us and we know it. Anyone who has ever felt this urge, this drive to step out of their comfort zone, something keeps pushing you there to step out of it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe you want to step out and do something that's so not typical for you to do. And yet part of you wants to hold back because you don't want to fail, you don't want to fall, you don't want to embarrass yourself, and yet something won't leave you alone. It keeps saying, teach a Bible study. Go on a mission trip. Walk across the street and speak to the new neighbor who seems very different than you. See, part of faith in Christ is that we can take that step, we can step out off the ledge and into unknown territory, uncharted waters, because we know that Christ is with us. Folks, that's a faith that brings joy. That's a faith that sets us free because we begin to realize as we're set free that Christ sees us exactly who we are and loves us for exactly who we are. And so that gives us freedom. We can cry freedom to live life the way God created us to do so. We're not worried about pretense, we're not worried about what others say about us because we are living the way God calls us to live. Faith means that we're not alone, and there's a joy in that. There's a joy that we're not alone, even in our darkest moments, our darkest of times, that Christ is with us. I keep thinking about the disciples in that boat on the Sea of Galilee, and they were so afraid, they were tossed and turned. They had done just what he told them to do. Sail across, and I will meet you on the other side. And the storm came up, and in the darkest of hours, they were tossed there on the sea. And what happened? Christ walked across the water to them and calmed the seas. Friends, that's a metaphor for our lives. In our darkest moments, Christ comes to us and sets us free and calms us because we are not alone. Friends, that's the power of faith. And there's a joy in that. Because in that trust in Christ, we begin to realize that we are forgiven that Christ will come and will heal our hearts. 
that Christ makes a place at his table for each of us. And there's always plenty of the best food. Christ welcomes us home with open arms like a long lost relative. Christ comes and seeks us out even when we have gotten lost or we are running far away as fast as we can. Faith tells us that Christ is right there, running beside us. See, there's a joy in knowing that. There's a joy and a faith in Christ. So don't postpone that joy. Live faithfully. Live as faithful people. That's what the gospel tells us to do. And that when we live as faithful people, knowing all of this about Christ, that we can step out, that we can be set free, and that we are not alone, that we don't have anything to fear. And there's a joy in that. But as we take that joy of faith, we begin to realize that there's also this idea of love, right? I mean, we talk about love a lot here in church. We talk about it all the time in Sunday school lessons and in Bible school and uh, in mission trips. We talk about it in Bible studies. See, love is a foundation of the world. It's what God envisioned at creation. It was the mission of Christ. It's God's deepest desire for you and for me to live in loving relationships with each other, one another, but also with God. See, the love that Christ taught about, the love that Paul preached about, it's like that, that magic penny song, that children's song. You know, love is something that if you give it away, give it away. Love is something that if you give it away, you end up having more. It's just like a magic penny. Hold it tight and you won't have any. Lend it, spend it, and you'll have so many. They roll all around on the floor. Love is something that if you give it away, you end up having more. See, love for us, as we think about this in terms of Christians, as followers of Christ, love is about caring about the welfare. No, it's about, it's about caring about the physical, the mental, the relational, the spiritual well-being of each other and all the people around us. Not just our family, not just our closest friends, not just our work best friends, but everyone around us. That's the love the gospel compels us to do, is, is to care about the world. And when we're focused on that, the joy just exudes from us. You can't contain it. I mean, ask our youth, in just a few minutes we'll have our, our, our youth mission trip team come down forward and we will commission them for their work in a couple of weeks out in Kansas City. But let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to go out there, they'll have a wonderful time, right? Yes? All nine their heads, good. They've done a great job. Tammy and Andrew have planned a great trip. But they're going to go out there. But they will do good work. And you ask them when they come back, what did you do? Listen to their stories. Watch their faces. There's such a joy in helping others. Ask our families that participate in the angel tree at Christmas time, what was the best part about it? And they said, going shopping for toys for someone and watching our children get excited about helping someone else. Folks, that's joy, sharing love. Folks that practice random acts of kindness or maybe uh, taking flowers to someone that needs some. 
In one of my churches, we had the bubblegum guy. You know, that's the guy, it was an older guy in the church. He would come to church, and he looked like a chipmunk in his sport coat. He had, like, these bulges on the side. And he loved to have the children come up to him, and he'd reach in and go, have a piece of bubblegum. Have a Jolly Rancher. I mean, he got the kids all sugared up before church, but it brought him such joy to show simple acts of love by just giving out candy to anyone that would take it, including some of us, we were past our childhood ages. But that was a joy for him. See, when we give love, we change the world, and the joy just pours out of us. So don't, my friends, don't postpone joy. Shower the world with that kind of love. If you paid any attention to the news over the last six months, the last six weeks, this last six days, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that the world is struggling, that there is a deficit of joy in parts of our world. But this doesn't have to be the case. I maintain this doesn't have to be the case. This is not who we are as a people. This is, the, this is exactly what we are challenged to combat. So I want to give you a little formula that maybe will help us do that as a church. When I was taking Econ 101 in college and working on my economics degree, we learned about the money multiplier. Now, those of you that are money people, those of you that are finance and economics people, you know what this is. For those of you who are, I'm going to break it down for you really simple because this was like a three-day lecture. But I'm going to give it to you in 30 seconds, nah, two minutes. Here's how it works. It works like this. You're running a business, and the money multiplier effect is if you add one unit of investment, how much more net return can you have? So if you mow one more yard, if you're mowing yards for money, how much more income can you have? If you run a small business, if you add one more employee, if you extend your hours, you add a new product line, how much more productivity can you come up with? It's the money multiplier effect. The more you invest, and if you invest it wisely and efficiently, the more your return is. So what if we use the money multiplier effect theologically? Not about money. Let's talk about joy. Let's talk about hope. What if we created something called the hope multiplier? What if we decided to invest acts of hope in the world around us? How much more joy could we increase? How much more hope could we give the world that desperately needs it right now? Ask a child who decides to grow their hair long for locks of love and the joy, you see the joy on their face when they go get their hair whacked off and they've now got short hair again, but there's this long ponytail that can be given to make wigs for cancer patients. Or ask for a youth that decides to engage in social justice for marching for their lives or for something else, the joy that they have for standing up for their rights and for the rights of others. Or for parents at school who see the school crossing guard with a threadbare coat that decide that that's unacceptable and bring them a new coat for the winter season. The joy on that guard's face, the joy in that family, the hope that it creates for the world. The police officer who passes a homeless person on her beat day in and day out, and as winter comes rose, this homeless person has inadequate shoes, so out of her own pocket, which is not deep, by the way, she buys shoes, 
boots, winter boots for this man. And then also to build a bridge, not just buy the boots and hand them to him, but to take him for a warm meal for lunch. Tell me that doesn't cast a light of hope in the darkness on that street. For folks who watch a struggling young adult walk miles to their McJob, and they decide that that needs to stop. So they pool their resources to buy this teen a car so they can drive to and from work and not have to spend so much time walking and can work more. See, these are acts of love and faith, yes, but with also their joy, because the joy provides hope to the recipients, provides hope to the world around us. And so what I love when I read, when I watch the evening news is I love those stations that they give you 20 to 25 minutes worth of yuck, and then they end it with that five minutes of some feel-good story, because in that five minutes, we realize that tomorrow might be a better day because of what happened in the last five minutes of the newscast. Friends, we can multiply hope. We can multiply joy by just being instruments of God's peace, by bringing hope to the world around us. So what have we been waiting for? Why are we postponing joy? Let us do just what Paul challenged us to do. Let us go forth and bear fruit. Let us not take our foot off the gas. Let us keep doing what God has called us to do. Let us live faithfully with a faith in Christ. Let us practice the love that God calls us to share with each other and all the world. And let us cast seeds of hope everywhere we turn. Why would we want to postpone that kind of joy? So what I hope is I hope as we close out our worship service, as we return our offering, as we sing the final hymn, as we commission our youth mission team, that we begin thinking about how we can go out into the world and do just that. Not postpone joy, but instead cast those seeds, share that love, show our faith to everyone that we meet. When we do that, we will bear much fruit for the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.